And now, from the dry hills of Santa Clarita, California, it's time for America's least listened to podcast. It's Christianese with your blessing-filled hosts, Jared Burkholder, Dan Satchoff, and Brian Irwin. Once again, coming to you from the bunker, the Corona 17 and a half, COVID 17 and a half bunker that we have here in Santa Clarita, California, Dan Satchoff. And uh, who's on the line? It's Jared Burkholder, is that right? Yeah, it's Barkholder. Thanks. Um, I can't believe we lived through another week. My gosh. I know. Seriously. Right. You know yeah. what I mean? I know. And how's Janelle? Is she out of quarantine? Uh, we got uh, tomorrow. <sighs> Tomorrow's the last day. I think she comes out Friday. Yeah. Holy mother, man. Today was, it was a dumpster fire. I really? had to tape a sermon for our uh, Easter sunrise service. <sighs> I was trying to field a bunch of calls. Uploading it wasn't going well. The kids were screaming, and it was like, I have got to get my wife back. I am no good at this thing. Is she so, s- symptomatic uh, right now? Is she feeling better? Is she not feeling better? No, she's been she's been past her symptoms probably a good two days now, two and a half days. Okay. Um, so, Great. Well. Ready to get back to normal. Hey, tonight, today, we're doing a lot of after dark stuff here because of the children. <laughs> <laughs> um, today night we uh, we have a friend of mine named Kyle Roberts. Uh, Kyle and I have known each other for eight or nine years. Yeah, um, met in North Carolina, went to the same church. We're running buddies. Uh, have had a pretty vitriolic text stream with each other ever since then, <laughs> where we decorate each other weekly, which is a real encouragement. That's um, Kyle works as a physician's assistant. Great. At uh, he's an internal medicine guy at hospital in Nashville. His wife is a pediatrician there as well. So they're like our go-to medical family. We just thought it would be interesting and fun to to get a real person, a real doctor, absolutely, a real someone on the medical world onto the show to kind of talk about um, the sweet Rona and get get their perspective on it, talk about maybe some of the conspiracy theories. um, And then he's a believer, so we'd love to get some encouragement as well. Kyle, uh, thanks for being with us. Welcome to the show, Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me, guys. And I can tell you uh, that we just, in the medical community, love hearing it called Rona. So please continue doing that. <laughs> what's your I mean, favorite What's your yeah. favorite nickname, Kyle, that you've heard for the disease? Do you have one? Uh, Rona ranks up there. Um, <laughs> that's, that one really gets at me pretty frequently. So. <laughs> <laughs> that is sweet, man. So now you're... you're um, your wife is also uh, in the medical field? Yeah, so I'm a PA. I've been PA now going for almost 11 years, okay. and about 10 of that's been internal medicine, primarily in hospital and critical care. Mm-hmm. Um, and my wife is a MD. She's a pediatrician mm-hmm. uh, in a private practice here in Nashville. I've been practicing for the past uh, two years now. Mm. So we uh, we joke that you know she's anytime we're in public and there's an emergency uh, we always kind of gauge the age first and uh, eighteen and under is her twenty one <laughs> and over is mine and between eighteen and twenty one we'll kind of duke it out. <laughs> <laughs> That's you excellent. guys have like spandex suits you uh, you wear out in public just in case. Uh, y- yes, but well, you know, yeah, sometimes. <laughs> yeah, right. Depends on the city. Well, it depends. Anyway. Yeah. yeah. 
So what do you yeah, see? Now that we're in Nashville, that's yeah. right. That's right. What do you What are you seeing on the front lines? What are you seeing out there? So how much of this is? Uh, I'm just curious for somebody who's actually in it. Uh, you know, because I see so much B-roll on TV, and I'm always like, well, it's the same B-roll over and over on a loop. And I'm like, somebody else shot this. It's a It's a, a pool feed, if you will. And I, I'm never quite sure what the what the real skin. Well, it's is. hard to know, right? Because like you, you read CNN or something like that, and they're like, this is really serious, and you know, our administration is going to kill us. And you go to Fox News and you're like, whatever, man. If you believe in the coronavirus, That's you're right. literally not American. That's right. Wave the American flag at it and you'll be fine. So <laughs> it's like, it's hard to, it almost feels like there are ideological lines about whether or not you believe this is serious. Yeah. So, yeah, Kyle, what's your experience? Yeah, it, it is difficult because, um, you know, it's it's not like a war where you have a very visible enemy. We're talking about, uh, you know, something microscopic that's going on. And um, it, it's also difficult because we are actively trying the best that we can to mitigate the uh, severity and spread of it. So, you know, thankfully, relatively speaking, we are seeing overall lower numbers, but that's also in response to a lot of severe um, policies and, and measures going on. Um, so we're, we're, we're definitely still seeing it. Obviously, you look at numbers. I think looking this morning, uh, you know, we've got over one and a half million um, worldwide. The United States is over 400,000 cases. Um, looking at close to 15,000 dead just within the United States, 90,000 nearly worldwide. Um, like those are still large numbers, but that's in response to all these different measures. And uh-huh. that's in over the course of just a few months. Uh-huh. Um, so it, it is weird in the sense that, um, especially since most people are at home and everything, you're not physically seeing this and you know a lot of people don't know someone who's maybe been directly impacted by it uh-huh. um but no it's, it's most definitely an issue and, it, and it's going to continue to be an issue unfortunately for uh in several months and 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 looking beyond that it's, it's still a lot of unknown right uh, I think the, the, go ahead the thing i've heard sorry go ahead. no no go ahead man um, the thing I've heard is, you know, I've heard different statistics about how many people die from the regular flu every year and kind of when people are antagonistic to the measures that have been taken, sometimes for legitimate reasons, kind of the, the party line is way more people die from the normal flu and we don't shut down the economy for that. This is a huge overreach. Um, what's your perspective on that being in the medical community? Yeah, the normal flu has been around for uh, so long. And, and, well, to clarify, you know, coronavirus in general is, is not an unknown virus. It happens to be this particular strain um, that we're, we're talking about, this COVID-19 um, novel virus. Um, but, uh, you know, with flu, we, we see in a seasonal basis, and, and certainly it does um, affect, you know, a larger number of people, you know, hundreds of millions each year. And, and the death rate is, is uh, you know, roughly 0.1% overall. Um, so you're looking at anywhere, depending year to year, as low as 10,000, sometimes as high as 50 or 60,000 um, when we're talking about seasonal flu. Uh, but again, that's something that we see seasonally. We have vaccines to help limit and help prevent in some cases. 
Um, and in general, we, we come in contact with that regularly. So there is a, a certain amount of uh, immunity that our own systems have been built up to and able to fight off. And so, um, you know, that's, 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 I think the biggest difference with that when we're dealing with something that essentially uh, humanity's immune system has, has no history with, with this particular strain. Right. And we're talking about it just a short period of time. Right. Um, and part of but, it too is we do, it's the unknown of the gen, even the genesis of where this came from. So I understand, you know, having this reaction now, hopefully down the road, if we can blunt this, the curve, as they say, but we, we don't even really know the, the exact origins of the disease yet. So like you said, that's kind of a wild card. Right. And, and we don't know then, you know, even if we get past these initial surges and initial phases, is this something that will kind of go away in largely like some of the other um, uh, known viruses in the past, things like, you know, the, the bird flu and H1N1, things like that, that mm-hmm. don't really become so much of an issue now. Um, or is it going to become a new seasonal thing? It's, yeah, there's, there, there are too many unknowns. And that's where um, a lot of the, you know, anxiety in the public is coming from too. And truth be told, a lot of the anxiety for the medical professionals and community is trying to figure out how to um, best counsel patients on this, best treat things, is, you know, trying to look for it. But right now, in the midst of it, especially as we, you know, this month, particularly for the United States, is, um, you know, kind of going to be that peak time, it's also it's difficult to try to balance those concerns with the active concern of, you know, people are dying right now sure. and how to limit that. Have you seen on your end, uh, you and your wife and the circles you guys travel in professionally, have you seen uh, a, an overtaxing of your system down there in Nashville? Um, thanks we have seen an overtaxing in the sense of, you know, we haven't run out of ICU beds or ventilators. Um, you know, we've thankfully, um, even though Nashville being one of the larger cities in the area, um, still having more cases than anywhere else in the state, uh, still pales in comparison to, you know, a lot of the other, of course, New York being a main thing, but uh, California and Washington, Texas, Florida, um, areas with a lot of international travel. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're kind of, you know, a week to two weeks behind some of these other areas. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's given us more time in a sense than to, to prepare. Um, but yeah, even, even now, I think the, the latest, uh, from this morning, I think we're up to about 14 or 15,000 cases. Um, I don't know, excuse me. I, I added a 10,000 to that. Let's try that again. Uh, <laughs> 4,300 uh, cases. We're still under a hundred deaths. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, we're, we're probably about two weeks away, 10, 10 days, 14 days away from kind of the projected, um, surge. Mm-hmm. Um, and then again, thankfully kind of in the, roles that we're at, particularly with my wife being um, as an as a outpatient a pediatrician, and um, thank God, truthfully, uh, that uh, kids overall have statistically been less impacted by this than right, right. Uh, the older ages. So they're not directly seeing a whole lot, and they've been taking measures to try to triage patients from even before they're coming to the office to mm-hmm. Uh, redirect them to the hospitals and testing centers if it even sounds like they may be uh, experiencing those symptoms. Mm. Wow. Um, I mean, I think the... Sorry, go ahead. 
I was going to say for, for my part, uh, you know, the hospital I'm at is kind of a unique, uh, situation because we're, uh, currently where I still practicing internal medicine, but I do it within a realm of a, a psychiatric hospital. It's a standalone facility. And, the, so we don't have an ER where patients are coming into, but the, uh, dilemma there is, um, since it is a, um, facility where people are being committed to or both voluntary and involuntarily, um, it's, it functions in a lot of ways, kind of like a, a rehab or a nursing facility in that it's a, a closed facility mm-hmm. with communal areas. Um, so the big like struggle that I've been dealing with is, uh, trying to you know, prevent an outbreak coming because if we do get someone that, um, ends up being positive for, right. for the virus, uh, it's going to very easily spread because social distancing is very difficult in that kind of environment. Right. Do you experience the, the shortage of personal protective equipment that other places have? Um, yeah, we're definitely seeing that overall. Um, and, and I get a lot of good information because the hospital I'm uh, affiliated with is, is a part of a, one of the largest um, healthcare organizations in the nation. So we get a little um, updates on a, every two days or so to kind of get an update of that. And, and, and it depends. So when we talk about uh, personal protective equipment, PPE, it's been in the news a lot as far as the shortages. Um, that, that kind of covers a couple different things. Uh, the most basic things you think about are gloves and surgical masks. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and those are overall, even though are in demand, they're, they're not the shortest of uh, uh, supplies. Some of the other things that are a little bit more concerning. So those are, things that we expect that all of our staff uh, should be wearing, encountering patients during this time. Um, however, the stuff that you really start to worry about are things like the N95 masks yeah. that you uh, yeah. probably see on TV. Yeah. Um, and if you are in contact with a suspected patient or someone who is positive, uh, the current guidelines recommend that you have both an N95 uh, or a hooded ventilator kind of mask thing. Um, uh, protective goggles or face shield, um, a gown, either cloth or plastic gown, uh, and gloves. So actually, mm-hmm. it makes up four different items. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, kind of give you a, a perspective. I was looking up some, some data earlier today as far as the N95. Um, the, the, the person quoted there was, was saying that in a given year, we have an expectation of using about 20 million of these mm-hmm. uh, masks. And initially, they thought when the COVID crisis was beginning that they were going to need 60 to 80 million. Mm-hmm. Um, and right now, they're thinking it's actually going to be needing closer to 100 to 150 million. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, what ends up happening then is we're trying to find makeshift ways of reusing these masks. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, normally it's a one time use, or just locally for you guys. No, that's nationally. Um, yeah, everywhere, and that's exactly more more so even globally. Um, but, uh, you know, usually after you come out of a patient room, all that equipment would typically just be thrown away, disposable. Uh, but now, um, you know, they're having to use the same mask, you know, for several days on end, finding makeshift ways of, of theoretically cleaning them. Mm-hmm. Um, nothing that's been really proven because this is not what we ever have to do, but yep. it's better than nothing. Yeah. Um, 
say a buddy of mine who, who worked in an ICU uh, at another hospital uh, was saying basically three weeks ago they ran out of new masks. And so they've been reusing the same masks and just kind of having to deal with it and hoping that it's still going to be enough to prevent them from, um, you know, catching the virus from the patients that they're taking care of. Yeah. We were talking to our pediatrician here, and she was saying, I guess what she does is they take their masks home and they put them in the oven, of all things, at a, at a lower yeah. temperature, and they're trying to disinfect them that way because they were running short as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you put a frozen pizza next to it, does it help any? Or hot pockets. Really? Hot pockets next to it. That's definitely make it smell a lot better than your own breath as you're constantly breathing in there. <laughs> <laughs> and in Jared's case, that would be, yeah, that would be absolutely toxic, I think. Well, because of the halitosis, yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. Right, exactly. Good word. Yeah. Obviously, Kyle, this is a, a question for the CDC, but we don't have the CDC on our podcast. Um, <laughs> you got any wisdom from the Lord about how long the social distancing measures are going to need to go on? I mean, it's, mm-hmm. I, this week, I was I heard from a guy who does consulting for churches, and uh, he was like, yeah, I don't think churches are going to be able to meet together until Christmas, which was like devastating to think about. Um We've heard from one of our legislators that you know they can kind of expect things at least through June. I don't know. You got any? You got any insight as to how long we're going to stay be safer at home? Yeah, um, I should have started the the podcast with this saying that you know all information that I'm speaking of now will probably be relevant 24 hours after this is uh, <laughs> finished recording. Because uh, that's and that's and that's again going back to another frustration with everything else that we're having to deal with is. Is, yeah, things are just changing day to day. Yeah. The recommendations we're getting, the information we're getting, um, it's just it's it's that's what makes it so maddening. Is trying to figure out. You know, you think you're doing the right thing one day, and the next day you realize, oh, now we're going in a different directory. Um, so I, I think that a more conservative estimate is probably going to be, um, yeah, looking through probably the better part of summer. Um, I think I thought one of the one of the most ambitious ones i think was saying you know within the next month um i i i I would think based on what i'm seeing thankfully the past couple days they've been kind of revising some numbers you know they were projecting upwards of 100 plus thousand um deaths um and they've dropped that down on monday down to maybe 80 and they dropped that down even today down to about 60 Mm -hmm. uh which you know these are all mathematical models so you know, there's some guidance there, but um, everything changes with with people's behavior and individual um, cultural context. And so, it, you know, it's, it's still just kind of a model. Um, but with those numbers going down, um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm hopeful that some of, some of these restrictions can start to be rolled back. Um, what that will look like is, uh, you know, question, yeah, for someone in much higher authority than me. Um, you know, I've well, already heard the Navy some... undersecretary, uh, former Navy <laughs> undersecretary on here soon. Uh, so yeah. he's out of a job. So <laughs> I was going to uh, say, I feel like yeah. Kyle, let me getting fired every day. That's right. <laughs> let me ask you this. Like, is there any wisdom? Like, again, like you said, there is so much information flying around out there. So something I've been hearing about a lot here lately is this, this debate of, well, there's herd immunity. So when you're, you know, when, when you're exposed to this, that you have a chance to build up natural immunities. Is there, is there anything to that, or is that just all baloney? Uh, there'll be something to that over time as more people uh, become exposed and then uh, recover from the virus. 
Right. Um, then there's, you know, less people who then can, you know, recontract and build a community that way. Um, so that's going to be realistically difficult to achieve anytime soon, given the restrictions that we have in place, mm-hmm. um, because we are trying to limit it as best we can. Right. Again, thinking that we have, um, you know, 434,000, uh, confirmed cases. And right now they're estimating about 24,000 have recovered, mm-hmm. um, out of a country of 300 plus million. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, the, the, the herd immunity idea is, is you know, I, I, ideally will occur over time. Mm-hmm. Um, but hopefully we'll find, we'll have a successful vaccine before that. Um, but we have to wait that long for that to really sure. uh, take place. Sure. 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 Yeah. Um, and from your perspective as a, as a believer in all of this, um, how has that, how has that shaped your, your reaction to this? When all this came down, I was in Atlanta uh, working and was on my way home and I had a, a strange piece about it in that, you know, even, and part of it was probably just ignorance and just <laughs> not wanting to believe part of it. But, but also I did see a lot of people who were just freaking out and more often than not, the people I talked to were people who thought, you know, this is my only go around here in this life and I'm going to do everything. It's all under my control and uh, if I don't control this, then it's it's the end. So if there's nothing greater than yourself, um, does can you speak to how your faith has shaped your, especially you being on the front lines, uh, your reactions to all this? Yeah, I think the big thing that both me and my wife have talked about on multiple occasions is um, uh, being reminded of the importance of like having a right theology of suffering. Mm-hmm. Um, which is very contrary to most, uh, you know, most views on life <laughs> mm-hmm. that, you know, the whole, the whole point of living is to try to avoid suffering. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, I think, uh, uh, the Bible shows us that, you know, that's, that's going to be part of our life and, and having a, uh, having our hope fixed on something that is sure and immovable, um, helps us to still find uh, moments to rejoice and to hope in regardless of our circumstances. Mm. Uh, when we have nothing else to live for but ourselves, but for our job, but for our uh, social events, uh, anything else, you know, right now this is a great example of when all those things are getting stripped away, what else do we have that's, that's keeping us going? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, that's been, that's been encouraging for us to be, to remind each other of that. Um, but it's also been sobering because it also shows us when we start to kind of get irritated at like, well, this, you know, we can't go out and do this or, <laughs> you know, what are we going to do about, uh, you know, finances as, as these things start to change yeah. and we start to see where we are still trying to put up and, and build up some more hopes in these, uh, you know, these worldly things too. Um, that being said, I, I also recognize that that's a really hard perspective to have in the midst of severe suffering. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it, it's hard to develop that theology in the midst of it without having already developed some of that before going into it. Right. If that makes sense. Yeah. If only um, we had a pastor on the line to uh, 
to consult about this too. I wish that. Well, maybe happen. next time we can find somebody who can. Uh, is Joel Osteen available? I think he and Kanye are busy putting together a, a virtual Sunday service. I'm pretty service. sure Joel Osteen has boarded up his church and house and didn't you know, let anyone near him. Yeah. Just like he did uh, with the flooding. Yeah, exactly. Last time they had yeah, a disaster no. there. Yeah, he's no, actually. I think. That's yeah. great, I think yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I was mumbling to myself. I, I think that's, that's a great perspective. Um, and you're right, Kyle. Like it's, it's hard to develop a theology of suffering in the midst of suffering. It's so much more uh, natural to do that kind of retrospectively as you look back and kind of can uh, uh, theologize backwards as to what was going on. Um, and so I, I think, like, just personally, uh, and I think for our church family, we've found just so much comfort in the Psalms where there's almost is in the midst of trial sometimes and doesn't really have all the answers. Um, and I think there's something to that, especially in something like this. Like we can, I've read articles and posts and things like that where like the, the author has all the answers and knows exactly what's going on and exactly what you need to believe and exactly what God's <laughs> teaching us. And, you know, certainly God's doing a lot of things. We can identify some of those, um, be thankful for him. But yeah. there's just something wonderful about um, the the rawness of the Psalms where the author just kind of expresses his bewilderment and his frustration, his fear at times, but then always kind of brings it back to finding refuge in the name of the Lord. Right. Um, so I think there's just such encouragement there. Um, Kyle and I both have a friend who is uh, the head of gerontology at Wake Forest Medical Center. Um, and he would, he was the elder at the church we were at and would kind of famously say, like, I couldn't go to work every day if I didn't think that God was sovereign over the um, and I just think it's something to do that. I mean, I think of my friends, Kyle and Rachel, who have a little guy at home and are still going. Like, I'm not, I'm scared to go to the grocery store. They're going to medical places where, you know, people who are sick are coming in. Yeah. And then they have to go home and be around each other. And I, I think there's just comfort, too, in knowing um, as big as this thing is, as pandemic as it is, as global as it is, it doesn't go one step or one person farther than, than what God kind of ordained. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was thinking about that. To answer your point, I was thinking about that when I got on the plane because uh, I was in Florida at the same time, flying back, kind of when all of this was getting really serious. Yep. And they're like, you know, if if God wants me to get sick, then I can get sick in yep. Florida or in Santa Clarita. Yeah, uh, exactly. He doesn't really need me to be somewhere. Right. And I think I've used this line before. I like to callously tell the parents that are going to send their kids with us to Haiti um, who are worried about them. Listen, if God wants to kill your kid, he doesn't have to take him to Haiti to do it. He, right. He can get him in Valencia. He's really creative that way. Right. Um, and yeah. so like, you know, there's, there's cold comfort, but I think real comfort right there that, um, you can take all the measures that you want to. And if it's your time, then it's your time. Right. Right. Um, and conversely, if, if it's God's intention that, that you remain healthy, then you can be around people who are exposed to it and, and you remain healthy. So right. I just think yeah. that there's the ability for us to be really serious about social distancing yeah. and uh, to respect their government, to be wise, to not, you know, not be conspiracy theorists. Um, but then also to put our head on the pillow, just trusting the provision of the Father. Although, yeah, I think... Oh, you were all going. Go right ahead. Yeah, that I'm going to say something dumb. I'll circle back to it later. Okay, I'm sure you will. Um, yeah, yeah no, I would just yeah, kind of uh, continue riffing on what you were saying there. Having that, uh, that sure hope, knowing that um, you know, if your health is taken away from you, if your job is taken away from you, if these things are taken away from you, these are, these are real things and it's right to lament over those things. It's right to grieve over those things. Um, and particularly as a Christian speaking to, um, both other believers and non-believers, 
like it's it's a right response to want to and you should uh, you know, grieve with them. Yeah. Um, and you know this is not necessarily we're trying to relate this to uh, you know Nashville just you know a couple weeks before COVID and everything. You know, we had a tornado that ripped through here, mm-hmm. um, and you know it's it's devastating to see um, you know that. In your, you know, that was like three miles away from our house, and thankfully we were unaffected. But to like see neighbors who yeah. you know lost their homes, lost their businesses, um, and you know then to get hit with this, and none of their repairs and things can be done, and just this, this deep suffering, and like this is still that kind of crisis mode where you need to help, you need to love on, you need to grieve with, um, and then you know you know, give the hope of the gospel, but recognize that, recognize where, you know, how that's going to sound too with the audience that you're speaking to in the midst of deep, deep suffering. Yeah. Um, especially with non-believers, but with the believers as well. And, and, and so my, my hope would be then too, uh, especially for the church. Um, and, and thankfully we are seeing this and at least with our, with our body and, um, with some of, uh, our friends' churches, um, that the church is really getting an opportunity to live like the global churches yeah. where this is, this kind of suffering is not new to a lot of our brothers and sisters around the world. Absolutely. Um, you know, and that's, that's been a, a sober reminder too right now that, um, you know, affluent, uh, United States church has had it really easy. Yep. And we like to say from time to time, you know, Oh, we need to be dropped down a peg. Well, this is a this is a good few pegs for a lot of our uh, brothers and sisters here in the United States to to really get a good picture of what it's like. And uh, you know, it, what, whatever picture you want to look at, the winnowing fork or the refiner's fire, either one. Um, and this is going to be part of that example, though, too. Yeah. And uh, yeah. so I'm I'm hopeful that we go through this and uh, we are purified through this. I, you know, my my biggest fear of going through any kind of trial, tribulation, and suffering is to come out the other side and not have learned anything from it, not grown from any of this. Yeah. So that's, that's one of my big prayers, too, for my that's, family through this. That's so true, and yeah. you know, we, we got to look at it and also realize that as bad as this may seem to some people, and certainly I'm the biggest baby there is in the world, as I was complaining walking out of Sam's Club today, looking down at my cart filled with a prime rib, and I'm like, oh man, this is just the worst. But you know, it could get, it could get, <laughs> it could get way worse than it is already, too, so we need to keep all that in mind. Who who knows? I mean, again, like you said, Kyle, we, we need to be always thinking about what are we learning from this and uh, and keep the main thing the main thing because uh, as bad as it may seem now, it's 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 nothing compared to, like you said, the, what the church in the emerging world has suffered for, for many, many moons already. And I think we'd be remiss if we didn't mention it's actually Kyle's pastor who's the author of the book we mentioned several times, Remember Death. Oh, Kyle really? Kyle sent me that book. Uh-huh. Um, and it just reminds us of kind of the whole premise of that, right? That um, death is real. It's unavoidable. Yep. And so we can take measures against it, but it is going to get us all in the end. And it just kind of pushes us beyond the hope of this life, whether it's kind of crashing portfolios or inability to find toilet paper. Um, all of it just pushes us beyond kind of the hope of this life to the hope of the next. And it just really reinforces in a really practical, tangible way that the hope that we have in Christ is not only enough, but even back to what Anthony was talking about in our last episode, it just kind of exposes the inadequacy of a lot of other things that people tend to put right. open. Right. Yeah. 
and it calls us to something that's a lot better in Jesus Christ. And Jared, you mentioned something about crashing portfolios. Is there something I should know about the stock market right now? Well, no. Uh, okay. I'm not sure. I just want to I just want to double check. Yeah, because I last I looked everything was great, but if you're telling me there might be an issue, should I is that something I should look at or? Yeah, I would also say yes to every job that comes your way. Really? The next 10 to 15 to 30 years. I don't yeah. like where this is going. I don't like the sound of this. All of a sudden this is taking a nasty turn. <laughs> um, We're never going to retire. <laughs> I was never planning on that anyway. Uh, in yeah, my sure. in my profession, I, I'm just I, they, hopefully they can roll me out till I'm kind 80, of, and I'll do Depends commercials. Well, I, if you haven't yet, there's still time. <laughs> Probably the last thing I want to ask Kyle to see your perspective on is um, I was reading the other day uh, that this is a conspiracy by the government because birds aren't real, and um, <laughs> birds are just spy satellites, and they need to recharge the batteries on all the birds. Do you think that is a possibility? I mean, do you think birds are real? Do you think the government's doing this? Um, what do you think the, the battery life is on the average bird? I'm just curious about that. It depends if they're cadmium batteries or lithium, I think. Um, <laughs> yeah, I've, I've heard my fair share of conspiracy theories. Uh, so, uh, even within hospital walls, some, some pretty, and not, not just patients coming from uh, staff as well. Um, yeah, I, no, I, I would give good advice, uh, to anyone right now is um, yeah a healthy dose uh, that being a small dose of uh, looking things on the news because everything yeah. is just trying to politicize everything and not that there isn't blame to be thrown around but right now let's let's, let's get through the crisis you yeah, know I agree I agree yes they can get our pitchforks and torches yeah. exactly. Yeah, and yeah, figure yeah. out, you know, which uh, mad scientist living on the uh, coast of some volcano has uh, <laughs> manipulated this virus to right. unleash it upon. Yeah. And which rich billionaire wouldn't refuse to pay the one billion dollars? Exactly. I mean, hundred billion dollars. Yeah. <laughs> I think it was Jared Burkholder's fault the last time he uh, visited that wet market in Wuhan. I have a feeling when he did that bat barbecue that probably something I was unleashed. Tell you though, the um. Kentucky Fried Bat Wings that I had were incredible. Good. Worth really it. Were. What kind I mean, of dipping? Were, what kind of dipping sauce did you get with that bat? I went honey mustard, but honestly, mm. the um the the instant mashed potatoes were pretty great there too. Really? Yeah. Those are made out of camel. I heard the uh, mashed potatoes. Yeah, yeah. The hump is delicious. It takes mm-hmm. a long time to ground up, but if you can get it down to a powder, it's, it's phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. <laughs> good. Good to hear. Kyle, thanks for being with us. Really appreciate mm-hmm. your perspective. Um, I love you guys. And stay safe. Yeah, I'll just add one last uh, PSA. Uh, Everything that they're saying when it comes to hand washing, social distancing, uh, yeah, do that. I mean, as far as what can you do at home, Timmy? You can (laughs) wash your hands and stay away from everyone else. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Scrub-a-dub-dub. Happy birthday two times for me as I wash my hands. Uh, Yeah, Kyle, thank you so much. You and your wife, be careful of all the viral loads coming your way right now. And uh, we are praying that you guys will stay healthy and well. Anybody out there who has questions or comments would like to uh, ask a question of any of our guests, we'll see if we can do that. Feel free to email us in any way you'd like at blessingfieldhost at gmail.com. Rate us on Apple or wherever you find your podcast, unless you've got 
you know, no time on your hands because you're busy working. But, oh, never mind. That's probably not the case unless you're a first responder. Jared, anything you'd like to add here before uh, Barb takes us out? No, I just want to hear the sweet ivory tickles that Barb gives us. <laughs> Kyle, thanks so much. We're Christianese. We will see you guys next time. Blessings. Blessings. Thank you.